0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. we pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ come around your word that you'll be with us that you'll speak to our hearts that you'll challenge us encourage us and inspire us to live as kingdom citizens that will glorify your name in Jesus name amen amen so we're uh, Partway through our journey um, in, our, in our new series, and last week we began by sitting with this question of what are we supposed to be doing while we wait for Jesus, uh, and we talked about one answer to that question being ambassadors and what that kind of looks like. Um, and it's kind of this question comes out of the bigger question that we uh, are journeying with and sitting with in terms of our theme for the year, which is kingdom. And we've been asking ourselves this question: What does it mean to live as kingdom citizens? And so this other question flows out of that one. And our our theme this month is kind of an answer to that question, and that is to be different and to make a difference. Uh, That's really one answer to how are we supposed to live and what does it mean to be kingdom citizens. I believe God is calling His church, us as Christians, to be people who are different from our culture and to be about making a kingdom difference um, for His glory and for His honor. Now, if you're anything like me, when you think about people who make a difference in the world and, and a difference in the culture, you probably exclude yourself. You probably think of these amazing people in the world who've come up with a great cure for a disease or invented something amazing that have radically changed the world. And even when we come to the Bible, when we think of kingdom shakers, people who've made a difference, we think of the big guns like Abraham and Moses and Gideon and, and, and King David. And we kind of go, yeah, they're the, the real heroes of earth, you know, the guys in the the first part of Hebrews 11 that really made a difference uh, that's kind of who we think about but I want to challenge your paradigm a little bit this morning I'd love to do that you know that and I want to suggest to you that there's a whole bunch of stories in the Bible of unsung heroes just ordinary people like you and me and, and here's some of them Rahab in Joshua 2 I mean she didn't do much but to those spies that she hit they she did a lot She saved their lives. Uh, The widow of Zarephath, she cooked bread for a prophet who was on the brink of dying without food. Uh, Naaman's servant girl, what did she do? She just told her master where to go to get healed. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't heal him. But she said, I know a guy who can help you. It's a very Sri Lankan thing, right? I know a guy. That's why, you know, some of the Sri Lankans are like, oh. She's probably Sri Lankan. I know a guy yeah she wasn't just in case you're wondering now um mark chapter 2 tells of the of the friends of the paralytic who brought their crippled friend to jesus um, and low and dug a hole in the roof lowered them him down so that jesus could heal him we've talked about the boy with the loaves and the fish shared his lunch made a huge difference dorcas The seamstress in Acts chapter 9. We're told that when she died, these people that she'd blessed... Came and were grieving, and and they were showing, you know, Peter the stuff that she'd made. And go, Look at the stuff that she made and she blessed us with. Um, Incredible. And the Philippian jailer recorded in Acts 16, who, uh, after um, uh, Paul and Silas were beaten up, and they sing songs, and the jail doors open, and he thinks that everyone's escaped and is about to kill himself. And they they tell him the gospel. and, And then he invites these guys, who are criminals in jail, to his house and he bathes them, and he cares for them, and he dresses their wounds. Incredible acts of kindness. Kindness. And I want to suggest to you, you know, last week, we were kind of talking about the angle scale of kind of salvation or spiritual growth, and we talked about people who are far from God, and how that we can engage with them, and the kind of right conversations for us to be having with them about Jesus, not about moral kind of issues. And I want to suggest to you that kindness is also in that place in the spectrum. That it's a really, really powerful way to engage with people who are far from God and move them just a step closer to Jesus. Kindness. Because in Romans 2, 4, Paul reminds us that... You know, he says this Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, God's kindness, his forbearance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So, if God is about being kind so that people will be drawn to him in repentance, I think that's a good place for us to start. In thinking about how we can live as kingdom citizens. Last week we talked about being ambassadors. And we talked about part of that was representing Jesus well in our culture. We talked about, uh, you know, thinking about where people are at on that scale and having the right conversations depending on where they were at. We talked about having a consistent kingdom ethic, that we don't just focus on our particular passionate issues, but that we actually take God and His whole Word seriously and engage with all of the kingdom stuff. And we talked about you know, engaging intelligently and what that might look like, which, which included things like you know, uh, learning to build trust and credibility with people before we open our mouth about anything, that we earn the right to speak We talked about how we can find common ground with people and and build bridges of relationship and connection. And we talked about how we really ought to be focused on finding solutions together. We talked about some of these really practical things. And all of that was centered around this word engage. We talked about how we're engaging with people who are far from God in meaningful ways. Today, I want to focus on the word kindness. Kindness. And I want to suggest to you that last week was ambassadors, today it's about sheep, uh, being sheep. I know it's not a far cry from being ambassadors and now kind of being sheep. And I want you to turn in, in your Bibles to Matthew 25, which is where this idea comes from. And and Jesus tells us this story, And even though people kind of say it sounds like a parable, but it doesn't read like a parable. But whatever it is, this thing that jesus tells us here in matthew 25 um, about the sheep and the goats and i want to again spend some time drawing out some big principles and then talking about some practical things it says this verse 31 when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne so this is end of the age stuff jesus talking about this is how it's going to be at the end All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, which is the kind of the side of blessing and favor and power and authority and all of those things in those in those days, and the goats on his left. Now, you know, in some instances, the left is the second place of authority and power, like when Jesus talked about to James and John. But here, the the contrast is the favored, the 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 blessed, and the not. It's not the second place of authority; it's the no place, if you like, on his left. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, now I need to pause there, there's a lot of discussion as to who Jesus has in mind here. Who are the brothers? The consensus of commentators seems to be that primarily Jesus' view here is of other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. But not exclusively. Jesus has a broader purview, a broader view in mind, and certainly from other parts of the Gospels and the New Testament, we know that God's not just calling us to love other Christians. But here the primary focus seems to be other brothers and sisters in Christ. The least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. So right is come, left is depart. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Three quick thoughts. Firstly, how we live matters to our king and he will hold us accountable for how we've lived. The scene that's set here by Matthew is of the end of the age, when all the nations are brought before Jesus as the king of the kingdom to decide about the future of those who have lived their lives. And we see here that the behavior of people, of all people, matters to the king. And he will hold them accountable for how they live their lives with eternal uh, consequences. You see the contrast couldn't be painted any more clearly and vividly. There's the come in verse 34, the blessed uh, by my father, take your inheritance that the father has prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then we see in verse 41, almost the exact opposite of that. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are You who are cursed into the eternal fire that was not prepared for you, but prepared for the devil and his angels. It couldn't be clearer that all of us will give an account to Jesus the King as to how we lived our lives. This is sobering. This is confronting. This is challenging. This is not Jesus meek and mild. This is not Jesus who just loves everybody and welcomes everybody in and says, you know what, it doesn't matter how you lived your life. It's all good. We just want to love everybody here. No, this is a defining moment that all of us will face. You know, recently, some of you know I turned 50, and one of my cousins at a party asked me, they said, you know, what's on your bucket list? You know, I'm like, I'm not that old thinking about bucket list. It was an interesting question though, you know, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of you already have stuff on your bucket list and it might be just a couple of things and some of you might have like 500 things on your bucket list because, you know, you're 20 and you've got all your life in front of you. (laughs) But I, I began to think about that and I began to think about the kind of things people put on their bucket list, right? Travel, climb some mountain, do something crazy. Like for me, one of the things I'm thinking about putting on my bucket list is to actually go mountain biking in Tasmania. There's a place called Blue Derby, which is amazing. So that's kind of getting on my bucket list. But that's the kind of stuff we think about, right? I know my, my family's like, oh, i not more mountain biking. <laughs> that could be on my bucket list because it might be the very last thing I do before I go to be with Jesus. It's possible. But then I read an article that really challenged my mindset about thinking about bucket lists. It said a better list for us to be thinking about is the things I want to get done before I stand before Jesus list. And I kind of kind of went, whoa, that's intense. That just changes everything. Because now it's not about the things that I want to do, the money I want to spend, the places I want to go, the things I want to see, the things I want to do in my life before it's over. It becomes about what does my king want from me? in the time that I have left. Because when I stand before him, he's not going to ask me about blue derby. Maybe he might go, how was that? Was that as good as I made it to be? Because it was my beautiful world. But Matthew 25 kind of tells me, I don't think Jesus is going to be interested in that somehow. He's going to go, did you, did you feed the hungry? Did you give water to thirsty people? Did you clothe naked people? Did you go visit? That's a different list. We, we need to change our list. Because Jesus will hold us accountable to the things that he's asked us to do. That's the first point. The second thing that we need to kind of be clear on is what's really going on here? Like, do their good works actually save them? Now, no Bible commentator would say that that's what Jesus is meaning here. We're not saved by our good deeds. We're not saved by charity. We're not saved by kindness. We're not saved by doing good things for people. Absolutely, categorically, no. These people are already the saved because Jesus talks about that this place has already been prepared for them. He calls them the righteous. He calls them uh, blessed by... the Father. These are already followers of Jesus. What's going on here is that their actions prove their citizenship. That's what's going on here. And that's why Jesus can hold people accountable because he's like, as kingdom citizens, there's a certain way I'm expecting you to live as my people. And so that's really what we see here is that this whole thing is about if we were authentic citizens of, of, Jesus, of, of heaven, if we were authentic followers of Jesus, this is how we would live. We would be characterized by kindness. Just like when Jesus talks about if you don't forgive, then your father won't forgive you. Forgiveness is not the unforgivable sin. Forgiveness is a demonstration that we understand grace. Grace. And if we're not forgiving others, then there's no way we've received the grace and love of our Father. Similar thing going on here. And in in Galatians, we're told that kindness is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it's like, if you've got the Spirit of Jesus in you, this is automatic. It ought to characterize your life. We're told in 1 John chapter 3, John says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's the gospel. And John is saying, if we know that, then we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. And again, he talks about practical Christian living. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? It's incompatible, it's irreconcilable, it makes no sense. If you've known the the beneficiary, gracious, loving kindness of God, how can you not be characterized by the same? That's why Jesus can hold up this lens and go, are you a kingdom citizen? It proves, it demonstrates, it's the evidence of the life-giving Spirit's work in your heart. Third principle, third point, that how we treat kind people is how we treat our king. Jesus makes that clear, that when we do things for, for others, our brothers and sisters who are in need, the, the people that we encounter with, people who are far from God, as we do things for them, we do things for our king. That's the difference, Right? Jesus goes, when you did it for them, you did it for me. Why is Jesus saying that? Well, when Jesus was here, he was not powerful. He wasn't rich. He wasn't influential he, in the sense that he wasn't a, a who's who in his society. He was born in a manger. He had no place to lay his head. He identifies more with the poor and the needy and the disenfranchised and the disempowered and the marginalized than the powerful. But not only that, Jesus actually ministered primarily to people in that category of society. And in Acts chapter 10, 38, we're told that Jesus went about doing good and healing people. So Jesus identifies with the poor because he too was poor. Jesus identifies with the poor because he ministered primarily to those those people, the needy, the, the outcasts. And, and thirdly, Jesus, his heart is for those people. The, most of the rebuke, like we talked about last week, was reserved for the religious elite, for the powerful, for those who had it all. And we're neglecting those who didn't. The parable of Lazarus and the poor beggar at his street, that was the, that's what it was all about. Jesus is saying you didn't see the person who was right there in front of you. And so as we treat people who are the poor, who are the broken, who are the marginalized, who are the outcasts, who are the needy, we serve our king somehow. That is profound. I wonder if we see in the faces of people that we walk past Jesus looking back at us. So some practical implications that flow out of this. One, people matter. People matter. Now at PCC, you know, you would have heard that we, we certainly believe in, in the, the connection between faith and work. And we believe that all work matters and all work is significant. But I want to suggest to you that, you know, as we produce things, whatever those things are, cures, bridges, buildings, you know, new cars, solar panels, whatever it is, all those things do not last forever. They'll change our world, absolutely, but our world will not endure forever. You know the only thing that will go from here to there? People. People. People matter. And so whatever your line of work Do that well. Do that for God. Do that to honor God. But don't ever think that you can do that and and not be kind to people. And somehow help move them closer to Jesus because of your kindness. Because people matter to God. There's a story, and I think I've shared this before, about a Christian businessman who owned a coal company. And he would regularly go out every day, and there was a railway line that kind of went past his coal factory that had freight trains coming in and out of his his company. And he would regularly throw these lumps of coal onto the railway line. And one day, this guy saw him doing this, and he went up to him and go, "'What are you doing?' And he said, "'You know, there's a, a little old lady who lives across the road, "'and she's on a pension, "'and I know that her pension's not enough "'to cover her heating needs of getting coal.'" And so he says that every time when the trains have gone past, she will come out and pick up the bits of coal from the tracks because she thinks still that the trains run on coal power. And so she thinks that these coal bits have fallen off these carriages as the trains going past and she picks them up. And he says, I don't want to disappoint her, even though all the trains are diesel now, so I you know, just throw some coal on the railway tracks just so she has enough to provide for herself. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. The, the second thing I want to challenge you with in terms of practical application is your possessions matter. Your possessions matter. Just before this story in, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of the bags of gold. The reason your possessions matter is because they're not your possessions. The king owns everything. You're just a steward. And the previous parable makes that really, really clear. And for some, God's given lots. For others, not so much. And for some, it's just one. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do with what you've been given. It matters. And there was, again, another cool story told about this police officer who pulled this lady over one day because she had this infant in her car without an infant seat. And so, you know, he kind of took one look and he realized, okay, this this person really doesn't need a ticket. And what he said to her is, meet me at this store. And so she goes to this store and this guy, police officer, goes in, he buys a booster seat with his own money and he gives it to her. And He goes, make sure you use this because the next time I'm going to have to give you a ticket. It's using what God's given you to make a difference and show kindness in the life of somebody else we were talking about this with our youth because you know, we we're talking about talents. Vera led a great discussion for us to be thinking about. What has God entrusted us and how are we meant to be using it? And you know, as young people, they were thinking, well, I don't have a lot of stuff. And then we kind of began to broaden it and kind of go, "But yeah, but you have your health. You have your time. You have the ability to speak and have conversations and encouragement. You. you actually have a lot of stuff that you can be kind with. And sometimes we exclude ourselves because we go, I'll, I'll wait till I have more time. I'll wait till I have more money. I'll wait till I have whatever it is before I start being a sheep. And I want to suggest to you, you're burning up valuable collateral time and resources, not being a sheep, because you're waiting for when you have more, when Jesus just expects you to do something with what he has given you now. Your possessions matter. Third thing, your place matters. Your place matters. The thing about I love is that these sheep didn't even know they were doing anything significant. Because they, they're asking the question, Jesus, when did we see you? Because they were just doing it in their everyday life. They were just, this was their ordinary way of living. You know, they, it didn't say that they went somewhere else to do it. It was just the people that were in their sphere of influence that they just loved and showed kindness to. Where has God placed you right now? In your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, university. Where is your place, your sphere of influence? Because that's where God wants to work. And he wants to work through you. That's why you're there in that place. To be salt, to be light, to do kind things, to move people closer to Jesus. There's a story told... When the U.S. airspace was closed after September 11, 2001, and the towers came down, and there was about 40 planes that were rerouted and landed in a place called Gander, Newfoundland, it's a small town, suddenly this small Canadian community almost doubled in size in that one moment. Thousands of frightened people arrived on their doorstep. It was their place in that moment, and people began to open their homes to strangers. Officials converted high schools, lodges, and churches, meeting halls, all became places of refuge for people to stay. Stranded passengers were overwhelmed with neighborly generosity and kindness. Kindness. Where is your place? Who are the people that are there right in front of you? I'm just going to throw out some ideas that you know, maybe will help you think about how you can be more like a sheep than a goat. And if I had more time, and maybe we still do have a couple of minutes, I'm going to go five minutes over because I think I'd like to do this. So some, some ideas. One of the things that we're really wanting to encourage people to do is when you catch up with someone for a coffee or a meal or whatever, try and bless them by paying for them. And I know as ethnics we get this, it's always a fight, right? It's always a run to the cashier. We, we do this already all the time. And people come up with all kinds of creative ways how to try and beat the other person to the checkout, you know, to the, the cashier, which is cool, that's awesome. But don't, again, don't make it about that because it's not trying to get one up on them. And sometimes we do it that way. I'm just kind of putting that because I, I get this too. So even if you can't pay for them... Try and end the conversation any time with them by just saying, how can I be praying for you? Profound. And people might be weirded out, whatever, but just ask the question. If they said, that's all right, I'm good, I'm fine, okay. And you can say something like, I'm going to pray for you anyway, that God will fill you with his love and his blessing. And that's it. That's all you need to do. You know, another thing that's really powerful to do is thank people when they serve you. You know, like at, I've been doing this at Westfield or wherever when the food court, when we had our lunch, and the cleaners just come in clean. Not many people, th- I watch. You, and you watch. How many times do they get thanked? Be different. Be kind. Thank them. Say, thank you for cleaning my table. Another thing I've started doing, and I've already seen profound effects of this, is actually acknowledging when people do good work. And I do this with my barista. Seriously, like, like you, if you like coffees, a bad coffee is bad, right? But when you get a good one, how many people actually go back and say, hey, that was a great coffee. Thank you for doing your job well. I appreciate it. I did this here at Excess Espresso, which is my local. And, you know, they're busy. But the moment you go, and I'm, because I go back, I, you know, I taste it and then I go back. And I say, and they're kind of going, "Oh, oh, what, what have I done?" <laughs> and I just go, "You know, I just wanted to say thank you. That was a great coffee. You're really good at what you do. Really appreciate it." They're like, <clears throat> <laughs> and recently I was at our state conference at Port Macquarie, and this was a strange barista. I, I don't know them, but she made a great coffee. It was really, really good. And so I, you know, I'd, I hadn't taken even a sip. I'd walked like you know 20 meters before I took my first sip, and it was so good. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, go back and tell her. I'm like, I don't know her. So she, and I, I went back. And again, I'm, and so there's other customers that are waiting. And I'm standing there. And she's like, she's looking at me every now and again going, and she's seeing the coffee in my hand. And, and I said, I just wanted to say, that's a great cup of coffee. Really appreciate it. And she said, oh, that made my day. She said, thank you so much. It's like just kindness. Another thing that is not my idea, but I think it's a great idea, and Hope 103 came up with this a few years ago, called the drive through difference. They don't do it anymore, but I, we still do it. It's a great idea. And this is when you go through a drive through or you can do it anywhere, at a checkout or whatever, you pay for the person behind you. This, this, this comes with a double Blessing because the person at the window that you're paying for is going, what? Do do you know them? I go, no, they're a stranger. They go, why are you paying for them? I go, because I just want to say, have a great day. And they're like, what? So they're kind of intrigued. And then we we did it recently, and we drove and we're waiting for our food. And you can see in the rearview mirror, the reactions are the best, right? And so the guy's giving his card, and she's like, no, no, you know, you're seeing all this stuff. And he's looking out the window going, do I know them? Who are they? And then he gets out of his car in the drive-thru. He comes running up to the window, and he's knocking on the window in the drive-thru. And he's going, thank you. He said, well, thank you so much. That, that's so great. Now, you want to make sure that it's not, a, you know, there's 20 people in a minivan in the back there. <laughs> but if they are, that's even better. Bless them. But it's so awesome. You know, and this is something that, you know, I really want to do. And so I'm going to try and get a card design that just says something like, hope you have a great day. And on the back, have like a link to our church website that takes them to the Why Jesus page or something like that so that they know you receive this blessing, not just because I'm a nice person, but it's because Jesus has changed me. And that's why, because my king is kind. And that's why I'm kind to you. All right, we're running out of time. But I was going to get you guys to talk and interact and come up with other ideas of ways that you... Pardon? Do it over coffee. Great idea. That's what we pay at the big bucks. (laughs) Comes up with all the great ideas. Excellent. Coffee time conversation. Two things you can talk about. One, who are the... Poor and needy of our community. Yes, there are homeless people. Yes, there are you know, people who don't have food and, and clothing and all of those categories. But back in Bible times, that was a very, very different kind of category of people than in our society. Very, very different. So who are our poor and needy? Talk about that. And talk about what are some practical ways, specific ways, ideas, creative ideas of being kind to those people. That'd be great for you guys to kick it around. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you for your great kindness to us. Father, we are so indebted. And Lord, you brought us into your kingdom and you put your spirit in our hearts so that we too can be people of kindness. Father, I pray that we would not be motivated out of fear or dread to stand before Jesus on that day. But the truth is we will. And he will ask us to give an account of what we did for people, for what we did with your possessions that you've entrusted us, for what we did in the place that you placed us to do good works in. And I pray, Father, that like these sheep, that we too would be surprised when you say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Welcome. Enter in. Enjoy the kingdom benefits, because you have demonstrated that you are genuinely and truly a kingdom citizen. Empower us, Lord, I pray. Give us eyes to see those around us who are broken, who are needy, who are desperate, Lord, to know your love and kindness. And we pray that, Lord, as we do these things, it won't just be charity, but Lord, that it would be a vehicle that your spirit uses to move people just a step closer to Jesus. Use us even this week to be a blessing to people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.